on the lowdown, a Down Syndrome podcast, Kate Dixon gives us the lowdown on fluency and stuttering. Over to you, Hannah and Marla. Thank you, Danielle. Hi, I'm Marla Folden, co-host of the Lowdown podcast and speech-language pathologist here at the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. And with me here is Hina Mahmood, OT, and co-host. How are things, Hina? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. Thank you. Great. Before we continue on with our episode, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review of our podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Remember to check out our episode pages. They have additional resources for each episode. And you can also follow us at the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation at www.dsrf.org and on Instagram and Twitter by following at DSRF Canada. We're really everywhere. Really. Um, today, we're talking about one of my favorite things, which is speech. And as a kid, I aggravated my entire family by making strange noises all the time. And I like to think that it was really just practice for a career in listening very closely to other people's speech and figuring out what can be done to help each person communicate more clearly. Speech has a rhythm that allows somebody to talk fluently and be understood easily by others. And different languages have unique rhythms, but the ability to speak smoothly and get your point across easily is sort of universally desirable. And one area of speech language pathology pathology addresses what happens when speaking is not smooth. And the umbrella term for all of this is sort of disfluency. Other terms that you might have heard could include stuttering or stammering, and it actually tends to be quite prevalent for individuals with DS. Some studies estimate that over 30% of individuals with Down syndrome have disfluent speech at one point in their lives or another. And if you're wondering whether this episode applies to the person in your life with Down syndrome, it could be, let's talk like kind of what it sounds like, could be repeating the sound at the beginning or an end of a word, making sounds too long, or even sounding completely stuck, like you can't get any sounds out at all. There's other disfluencies too, which we'll dive into. And essentially, anything that regularly interrupts the flow of ideas or speech can be considered a disfluency. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a little background on it. Great. Yes. So today, we will be chatting in depth about speech disfluency with speech-language pathologist Kate Dixon, an awesome team member here at Mm -hmm. the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation, who has actually done specialized work in disfluency. So she completed her master's degree at Curtin University in Western Australia, Um, During her master's program, she did research on speech disfluency and attention. Um, Kate spent several years working in both private practice and not-for-profits, specializing in pediatric disability and literacy in Australia before moving to Vancouver and joining the DSRF team in January of 2020. Hi, Kate. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. Um, And thanks for agreeing to this. I'm very excited as an OT to learn more about this. So I'm going to be your student today, um, as well as I'm sure all of our listeners. So thanks for coming on. Um, So Kate's also a loyal listener of The Lowdown, so you know what's coming up next. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So we're going to have a little bit of fun with some five secret questions. So I'll start them off. Um, Question number one, what's the first thing you would recommend someone do when they go and you're originally from Perth right Australia right, yeah. so what's the first thing someone should do when they go visit Perth hopefully post COVID and all that good stuff <laughs> yeah good question I would skip Perth and head over to Rottnest Island skip it all together <laughs> I mean yeah okay. Perth, Perth is great but yeah. it's um 
I kind of liken it a bit to Vancouver. Vancouver's beautiful, but the best things about BC are the things around Vancouver. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, it. yeah, similar to Perth, um, Rottnest Island has incredible beaches if you're into that, mm. if you like surfing or wine or food. Um, I like two of those three things. Guess which ones? <laughs> <laughs> um, then I would go down to Margaret River. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful place Great. to be. And so, what was the name of it again? Rottnest Island. Rottnest Island. Oh, Rotto. Rotnest, you might have okay. seen um, quokka okay. selfies on the internet oh, a while ago. Yes, yeah. Okay. They're the only place in the world quokkas live. Oh, um, yeah. If you haven't seen cool. them, okay. yeah, search that Q U O K K A quokka okay. selfie. Okay. Love it. Yeah. All right. On my mm-hmm. list for sure. Um, okay. Question number two. What is the last TV show you binge watched? Oh, I've been watching Line of Duty recently. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a police drama, British. Yep. Um, yeah. Lots of good storylines. Very yes. tense. Yeah. Very Sounds tense. tense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah the, the crime genre in Britain is really good. Like yeah. so many of like those police shows or yeah. murder mystery shows from from England are Sherlock, really. Sherlock. Any day. Yeah. 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 Sherlock. Old yeah. school. Yeah. 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 Big Line of Duty, British TV. great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, question number three, you're a busy SLP. What is your go-to de-stress routine? Oh, yeah. So I'm definitely a big go-for-a-walk person. Mm-hmm. I recently moved house um, and now living in a really lovely leafy kind of area. So I love just walking, grabbing a coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, lying down in a park with a book for a couple of hours in the sun would be my ultimate de-stresser. Oh, love yes. it. Yeah. Articulate with this lovely weather at the moment. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, love it. And coffee. Yes. Definitely. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, coffee. A beverage yeah. or a snack has to be had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like that too. Um, okay. I'm wondering if you've ever or if you've recently checked anything off your bucket list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think with COVID, it really forced us to make the most of our backyard. So mm-hmm. last summer ticked off the bucket list of going out to the Rocky Mountains, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Did some awesome backcountry kayaking. Um, yeah, those those were big things, going to Jasper National Park and yeah. Banff. Um, yeah, I feel very lucky to have been in, in BC and Canada for COVID, for sure. Yeah, that is a COVID silver lining, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All the stuff that you kind of put on the back burner, like, yeah. oh, I'll see that at some point. And yeah. it's like, well, and I guess I'll see it this year. Yeah. That's all yeah. I can do. Yeah, and when I know, no one's the, here. The, I've seen Kate's Instagram, just the most amazing adventure. So I like need her to plan a vacation for me. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, can you give me a Kate Dixon vacation yeah. package? Because it's just like beautiful water, like you're going yeah. on the boat and mm-hmm. hiking. So yeah, yeah. it looks Lots of outdoorsy You're stuff. definitely taking advantage of BC, which is great. Yeah. So, is, so much to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Um, and last question, mm-hmm. if you could have an endless supply of one food item, what would Ooh. it be? Just one food item or a cuisine? Oh. One food item. We're making oh, it hard. <laughs> oh, that's really hard. Oh, I feel like it would be, oh, I hate eating the same thing twice. I, Uh-oh. This is a hard <laughs> yeah, question for you then. <laughs> this may not work for you then. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it would probably be something like pizza so then I could just have like just the cheese someday and some yeah, okay. just the bread someday. All right, you don't have yeah. to eat it every day. It's just, oh, just oh, as much as you oh, ever, ever, ever to eat want it. to. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'd have to eat it every day. Okay. Um, oh, endless supplies of probably mangoes because oh yeah, yeah but, but only good ones only good mangoes yeah. i don't yeah. like the really sour ones i like the they're like plump juicy sweet ones mm-hmm. but i wish i could have them all year round yes mm-hmm. yeah. especially those yeah. yellow ones mm-hmm. oh, i grew, yeah. up, I grew yeah. up with mangoes and that's sounding real good mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. excellent 
Hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for having a little fun with <laughs> that. We all yeah. want a mango. Now, now I just want to go to Australia and have a mango and just and <laughs> well, watch, just and watch some TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so let's start by chatting a little bit about how you got your start um, working in disfluency. So like, I mean, what drew you to this area of speech language pathology? Yeah. So when I was um, very little, um, when I was in elementary school, my brother, who's a couple of years younger than me, he had a stutter. Mm. And so I remember after school, once a week, my mum would drag us both to speech language therapist. And um, yeah, so we, I would just watch him play games. And he always yeah. seemed like he was having the best time. And I really wanted to play as well. Um, and mum would take us to have a milkshake afterwards. So I was like, yeah, Wednesday's the best day. Can <laughs> 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 I get paid to do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then um, when I was doing my master's, um, one of the first placements I had was at the Curtin Stuttering Clinic, and and I had a really diverse caseload there. They they really threw us in the deep end really quickly, and mm. I had um, really young children. I had some adults, and we also ran a Down syndrome adult fluency group. Cool. Um, okay. And I just loved the diversity of disfluency and how mm-hmm. it presented so differently mm-hmm. and also how it had so many different factors that went into it. Um, I loved that mm-hmm. you were working with the whole family um, and I loved that you could also see some really good results. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it really fascinated me. So uh, for my final research project, um, I did it in disfluency and we were comparing um, language capabilities of of people who stutter against people who don't stutter and and that kind of research again in more depth definitely mm-hmm. um yeah really made me really really interested in the area mm-hmm. um yeah and then I guess when I then started working uh as a speech pathologist I was working in private practice and I saw some clients there with disfluency and and then also working in disability um it was quite interesting because it wasn't something that was always talked about. There were often other things that were higher priority. Yes. Yet, yeah. yeah, Marla would definitely know this, it, but it's something that actually impacts so many of our clients. Yeah. And, and there are some really, really simple strategies you can use that really promote independence and um, and clear communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's what kind of drew Great. me to, to the area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're so right that it's like there's often sort of bigger ticket items mm-hmm. on the list. Definitely. But in terms of what affects our mm-hmm. students' quality of life, For sure. this is a big one. Mm-hmm. Because Definitely. if you have a lot to say mm-hmm. and nobody gets it because your speech is mm-hmm. so bumpy, then, I mean, if you're a really persistent person, you try mm-hmm. anyway and it just becomes very frustrating mm-hmm. or you give up mm-hmm. and then you or kind you of get withdraw. anxious about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then we see a knock-on effect of other problems mm-hmm. arising because mm-hmm. you have stopped trying to communicate mm-hmm. Or you're so mad, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's it has a huge impact. Absolutely, yeah. One of I had a really close friend around the time I was um, finishing my masters, who had a significant stutter, and he was in his mid twenties and um, was so motivated to try and overcome it, but it was so difficult. And mm-hmm. um, he didn't have Down syndrome, um, but but the effect it had on his quality of life was in every single part of his life. Yes. And, and it was really motivating um, to, to see that. And um, I found it really interesting working with people with Down syndrome, with fluency, how how different it is for them in some ways, but also mm-hmm. um, very, very similar in that a lot of our 
population here is so socially motivated Mm -hmm. that the way that we need to handle it is kind of, it's very different because we, we don't want them to internalize those negative feelings that yes, are so exactly. often yeah, associated so with disability. Yeah. 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 So for those of us um, that may not be very familiar, can you talk a little bit about what actually causes speech to be bumpy or disfluent? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I was saying before, it's a combination of lots of different factors. So um, there's personal factors um, and there's also the environmental factors. So when we're talking about the personal factors, we often um, talk about the the capacity of a person's Mm -hmm. speech. Mm -hmm. So the things that contribute to the capacity um, are things uh, like their cognitive or uh, abilities, um, Mm -hmm. also their linguistic abilities, their ability to put sentences, uh, words into sentences. Um, and convey those. There's also a huge amount of um, abilities needed in terms of language. So ability to understand what's being said, ability to to then express that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, often when, when I'm first explaining the factors that contribute to stuttering, um, I explain to families what is actually required when we when mm-hmm. we do speak because mm-hmm. it's a lot more complex than we initially see we initially think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. all people who speak fluently most mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. um, don't necessarily know because it's kind mm-hmm. of an automatic mm-hmm. thing. You think yeah. something and you're kind of already saying yeah. it and it's not just all comes out all smoothly. Um, but if you break down the concrete mm-hmm. steps, yeah. yeah. Oh boy. It's like, it's <laughs> like, you know, you have building blocks to any skill and yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, having fluent speech is a skill that you work on. So mm-hmm. you need to work on all the things that come before it. Is mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I guess those blocks that we need when we are making any message. Yeah. Uh, firstly, we need to be attending to the environment. So mm-hmm. we need to look around us, listen, process, yeah. understand what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. Um, so to do that, we need attention skills, we need language skills, we need listening skills. Mm-hmm. Um, once we've maybe understood what's happening around us, we need to actually generate a message. So we need that cognition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we formulate mm-hmm. an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we think to ourselves, okay I want to say this but then how do I put this into words so then we start to code that idea into certain words and then we start to put those words into the right sentence structure which is already really complex and then once we've got the sentence structure in our head then we have to start thinking how am I going to actually code all the sounds that go into those words Um, and once we've then thought okay I need to put this sound into this word, then you need to actually produce it. So then your Mm. brain has to tell all of your mouth and your tongue all of the little bits. Oh my like gosh, how do you just yeah. getting overwhelmed? Yes. I'm so happy that you're you're listing these mm-hmm. things because yeah. parents, mm-hmm. caregivers, teachers, all other non-SLP therapists that are working, we need to understand all that's going mm-hmm. on at one time, really. Yeah. It has to all happen yeah. together in yeah. order for them to be able to relay that yeah. message. So yeah, to, yeah that's yeah. really great. Often yeah. um, I use the metaphor of a of a computer. The brain is a computer mm-hmm. to, to tell mm-hmm. parents about it. Um, mm-hmm. So when you think about your brain, it's only got a limited capacity um, to run programs. Like yeah. a computer only has a certain hard drive, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, when you've got lots of programs open at once or there's a program that's taking up loads and loads of memory or attention, then yeah. everything can slows down, can or, slow just, down yeah. or just, yeah, freezes, mm-hmm. your computer mm-hmm. crashes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the computer 
computers overloaded, similar yeah. similar to our speech system. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's when often when you when you see those bumps um, happen when mm-hmm. when there's just too much going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good analogy. It's a really good mm-hmm. comparison to mm-hmm. to make for it. I, I want to point out that the sort of breakdowns can happen at any level mm-hmm. and multiple Absolutely. levels. Totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's yeah. where that's why disfluency is so complicated mm-hmm. because you have to pick apart. And there are ways to do that, which I'm mm-hmm. sure Kate will get into. You gotta pick apart where the breakdowns are happening and mm-hmm. sort of why. Yeah. Um, but also disfluency is normal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. every person has a capacity. Mm-hmm. And you think about me reading the introduction of this episode or presenting on some other topic where the pressure is higher, yeah. you're more likely to, you know, to succumb bit, yeah. to one of those stressors yeah. on your sort of speech system. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. Can, and I think a lot yeah, of us do down. that in our regular life mm-hmm. where you will mm-hmm. kind of like stumble over a word or, and you're right. I think I'm so happy that you brought up that the environment plays a big impact, part. right? Like yeah. I can imagine, you know, if someone, if one of our students is trying to go through these processes to say something and then on top of that they're wait, looking at us having that mm-hmm. expectation yeah. you know so like yeah. and or, or like trying to you know there's noises going on in the classroom or yeah. you're outside in a busy environment so yeah, yeah so it's yeah. it's and all of it yeah and a lot of the environmental demands are things we don't even think about so yeah like when you're even within a conversation there's time pressure in a conversation yes. mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. one that people don't really realize until maybe you've been in that before where Absolutely. there's three other people talking you really want to say something and you're like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get in there yeah. Yeah. and so, so imagine true. yeah imagine what that's like for someone who has um maybe slower processing who it takes longer yeah. for them to maybe find the right sound they need yeah. um to start their words um to make their message uh it can be really frustrating um yeah so time pressure is a huge one uh that's that contributes environmentally to destabilizing the speech system and conversations tend to happen very very quickly like the whole process that kate Uh was just explaining is is milliseconds Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. length and then you've moved on to your next message and your next message Mm -hmm. and so if it takes you even you know Mm -hmm. 10 or 40 milliseconds longer to formulate your message you've missed Mm-hmm. multiple conversational terms yeah. by the time you want to say your thing. Absolutely. And then if you realize it before you say it, mm-hmm. then you get stuck. And yeah. You're like, yeah. I yeah. Just, yeah. And you add know. on to that as well. People with Down syndrome have better receptive than expressive language. Mm-hmm. So what goes with that is better understanding of what's going on than what they can express. So then you get that negative um, kind of cycle yeah. that they, yeah. you really want to be part of that of course, and you can't. Yeah be yeah. part of it as you want to yeah mm-hmm. um, and the awareness the awareness that very yeah. cute i am not contributing in the way that represents mm-hmm. me well for sure yeah. absolutely yeah. so Such frustrating a, well I'm, yeah and that leads me beautifully into our next question so mm-hmm. you talked a little bit about the you know um, receptive versus expressive language mm-hmm. in down syndrome so can you elaborate a little bit more on what kinds of speech disfluencies do people with down syndrome tend to have yeah. And like, why do you think so many of our of our individuals with DS have trouble speaking smoothly? Yeah, I'll tackle the first part of that question, mm-hmm. the what kinds of speech disfluencies uh, our population has. Um, as Marla mentioned in the introduction, uh, a lot of the ones that you will typically think of when you think of stuttering are those word 
or sound repetition. So it might be the first sound or the first syllable or even a single syllable word might be repeated. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if someone's introducing themselves, they might say, my name is Kate. Mm -hmm. So that would be like a a repetition of a first sound. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there are also um, types of stuttering or disfluencies where you might hold a sound for a long time. It's called a prolongation. So the middle sound will often get held or the first sound or or actually can be the last as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you might just get stuck on a sound completely. So um, with that, sometimes a sound will be held or sometimes it will be silent, but the body will, the jaw will stop moving Mm -hmm. uh, while that sound's being held. Um, those are kind of typical types of speech disfluencies that you see in both the general population as well as in DS. But with DS, you also see a few other kinds of disfluencies that that interrupt the normal flow of speech. Mm. Um, things like that people with um, disfluency, sorry, people with Down syndrome uh, will often stop midway through a sentence maybe when they need a bit more time to process and plan their next sentence, Uh next few words, Mm -hmm. and that really interrupts the flow of what they're speaking. Um, Sometimes you'll see that happen and then the next couple of words will come out in a really short burst and there'll be kind of two or three words that all get mixed up together and they're not all articulated clearly Mm -hmm. Um, and it it actually interrupts the flow of their breathing. There's... um, there's not the control or the sorry the coordination of their yeah. breath and their and their speaking uh, isn't isn't there, and it can be really hard to understand what's mm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, there's they also you'll see emphasis on different parts of the word or or different parts of the sentence which are abnormal, uh, which mm. just kind of make the rate of speech and the fluency of the speech not quite as smooth as we'd expect and can often give the listener pause. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. this is like kind of, we think of it as like a little bit higher level, like at the mm-hmm. phrase level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's say you're wanting to talk about what you're going to do later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to go home later. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis that I just mm-hmm. put on it is on home. Mm-hmm. But if you, I'm going to go home later, it, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's kind of yeah. an exaggeration, but it, yeah, confuses the listener a little bit where they're like, Absolutely. I don't understand. Was that two yeah. sentences or one yeah. sentence? And, and yeah, because emphasis can also um, change the meaning of a sentence. It can be confusing. <laughs> yeah, that, I was just yes. thinking that to like yeah. where the intonation is and your yeah. message is maybe being received differently than mm-hmm. intended, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Great. And yeah, there's some there's some funky things that yeah. can go on. <laughs> Definitely. There absolutely is that when people put extra stuff into what mm-hmm. they're saying. Sometimes we call it cluttering yeah. where it's like there was a message there that was mm-hmm. clear and then we had extra things yeah. kind of added in and around yeah. it that yeah. probably didn't mean to be in there. And yeah. then the listeners kind of taken aback sometimes, yeah. Yeah. confused. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. see lots of um, kind of overlap with some of the speech sound difficulties um, that mm. happen. So, you know, some people might drop out syllables completely as they are in a real rush to get that sound mm-hmm. or that word out mm-hmm. or that, you know, that rest of the sentence because they're trying to remember this is the things that I want to say and, and we know yeah. working memory is difficult yeah. for, for lots of people with DS. So, you know, trying to hold on to all those sounds and coordinate this, the, the sounds that we need for the, those words is mm-hmm. it's it's a big, you know, alphabet mm-hmm. soup trying to work out what's going on sometimes yeah. and yeah. what's contributing to what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it is complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one other thing that I notice a lot, and I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen it too, is – breath grouping can be a real problem. Absolutely. And so 
typically when you're speaking, mm-hmm. you can kind of get a whole sentence out on a single breath. Mm-hmm. Our students have a harder time doing that, partially yeah. due to tone and other mm-hmm. factors. Yeah. Um, so they might start a sentence by breathing mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. then take a big breath in the middle Mm -hmm. and then that cues the listener that that was the end of that sentence, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't, Mm -hmm. or they might start breathing in and still talking, Mm -hmm. which makes the sounds all sound a bit funky. Mm -hmm. You can still usually understand it, but you certainly notice that Mm -hmm. something is Is different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is disruptive too. So there's, there's a lot. There's lots. And I think the, the the point you brought up about their level of auditory memory for Mm -hmm. some of our listeners that may not be fully aware of how that plays into Mm -hmm. speech and dance or disfluency dancer, would you be able to just elaborate a little bit about how the working memory part works? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the the other part of your question before was why do people with DS have difficulties with um, with fluency and and working memory and auditory memory is definitely two key parts of that. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of it comes down to to brain differences and mm-hmm. learning profile differences. Um, like we know that people with Down syndrome have a um, smaller frontal lobe, so mm-hmm. things like um, the working memory is is slower. Um, executive functioning mm-hmm. is different; it's affected. Language centers affected. Um, it's, it's a lot harder for them to um, understand and then create a message. Mm-hmm. Um, the hippocampus is also different. So that's all of the memory centers, um, the temporal lobe as well. So when, um, so when, I guess when you're, when we think back to all of those things we need to do when we're making a message, yeah. if we're having trouble um, processing verbal information, if we're having trouble holding all that information in our working memory to create a message. Uh Um, And if we're having problems with morphosyntax, so making sentences and putting in all the right little parts of the words to make meaning, Uh um, it can be really complicated to make a clear message. Um, And on top of that as well, a lot of our listeners would know all of the medical issues that go yes, along with yeah. DS, mm-hmm. like hearing loss mm-hmm. and obstructive sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm sure both of you know Marla, particularly with a little baby, the mm-hmm. impact that um, a lack of sleep can poor have sleep. on your fluency. Oh, poor sleep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're illustrating it so beautifully because our students and our population mm-hmm. that we work with can have actually trouble with every single step Mm -hmm. of what we would call the sort of speech chain. Mm -hmm. Um, And at different times in their life, different areas of it might be bigger factors than Mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the reason why in SLP, we have a big medical focus, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning when Mm -hmm. we're getting to know a new family, Mm -hmm. because anything that we can take out of the Mm -hmm. picture yeah, it's yeah. just so helpful. If we yeah. can manage the sleep mm-hmm. apnea, if we can manage the hearing issues, yeah. if we can manage swallowing mm-hmm. and some of those other things, yeah. breathing, mm-hmm. strength, then absolutely. we can focus more effectively yeah. and spend our time well on yeah. speech. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also even things like attention, like within the classroom, mm-hmm. um, making sure that we're yeah. not putting students in a place where they're going to be watching everyone walk in and out the door 20 times and mm-hmm. when they're visual learners and that's what they that's how they need that's to learn need. Yeah. yeah we can't put them mm-hmm. in a spot where they're going to be visually distracted all the time like mm-hmm. that's just going to be another layer of of difficulty for them to to filter out that to filter it out. Yeah. and yeah. then I mean I know that the oral facial structure mm-hmm. can impact speech overall is oh, there yes. any components mm-hmm. of the oral facial structure that maybe will impact fluency specifically or is it just kind of all in one package yeah so it's um 
Partly, I mean, it changes for each individual. Mm-hmm. As Marla was touching on the tone, so tone. If we go even down further than the than the mouth into yeah. the diaphragm, um, students who don't have um, great control over their their breathing or um, a lot of um, endurance mm-hmm. will have difficulty saying a long sentence, yeah. which will interrupt the fluency of that sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go up a bit further, um, if there are funky things going off with the going on with the palate that can of course make sounds come out in different ways as well Mm -hmm. um yeah there's lots of different things that can go on there um Mm -hmm. one thing that I see a lot is I mean the facial structure Mm -hmm. is it's a little bit different and so what I think what you're wondering about is just making being able to produce the speech sounds, which is a kind of separate area of Mm -hmm. speech pathology. But one thing that I find influences fluency a lot is whether or not sort of the soft bit in the back of your mouth Mm -hmm. actually reaches Mm -hmm. the back of your throat, because Mm -hmm. if it doesn't, then, oh, it's very technical, but this little little piece of your needs to be able to make this seal yes. and it needs to be able to make it fast yeah. and sometimes seal mm-hmm. and unseal multiple yeah. times within a single word. Yeah. And if that doesn't mm. touch completely, mm-hmm. yeah. we call it velopharyngeal insufficiency if you want to be technical, yeah. um, then everything gets distorted yeah. because it. it sounds oh. like mm-hmm. you need that to be down mm-hmm. to do the M and the N sounds yeah. Yeah. Um, and you need it up for kind of everything else. Mm-hmm. And so you get this mm-hmm. kind of nasally sounding yeah. thing. And if our students can hear that and they're mm-hmm. aware that it's sounding off, yeah. then it, yeah. it just yeah. snowballs. I mean, it just, yeah. And adds <laughs> the complexity of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 And on yeah. that, it's, it's really not uncommon to have velar insufficiency. Velopharyngeal insufficiency when there's um, when adenoids or tonsils are being removed, which a huge amount of our students have, because there's if you think about where they sit in the throat, they're Mm -hmm. right at the back, and so when they're taken out, there's suddenly a lot more room there, Mm -hmm. which means they can breathe, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But it also makes it harder for that airway to be blocked, which makes it harder for speech Uh, sounds to come out. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's rarely do we have a win-win I was just going to say it's just like you try to fix one problem and unfortunately there's something else that you have to deal with do you want to sound nasal or breathe yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and breathing definitely (laughs) very interesting yeah yeah Yeah. great yeah the other thing that can go on a lot of the time is um the the, what the brain is telling the mouth to do so the motor control aspect Mm -hmm. so the cerebellum the the bit at the bottom of the brain, um, that kind of controls a lot of those bits. And um, that works a bit differently in in people with DS. So sometimes that connection is a bit slower and that's why you might see a bit of imprecise articulation, Mm -hmm. but also an increased time to get the articulators into the spots that they need for the right sound. So, and, And when we think back to how quick a conversation is, if it takes you even a quarter of a second to know where to put your mouth to make the sound of the first word, you've lost your conversation lost turn. It, yeah. And and mm-hmm. then you've got to go back to the beginning and have to think about your new message and formulate that message, go through yeah, all those steps Yeah, you have to keep again. listening to see yeah. where it's gone without you. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you can they see where people get very frustrated yeah. oh my gosh, because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. just so complicated and unfair. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Um, yeah, there's there's a lot in it, but there are strategies which we will also I discuss. Know. So, uh, I was like, I know we're not it sounds complicated, but I know you guys can figure it <laughs> <Yeah>. out too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've had parents ask me multiple times why their child with Down syndrome started stuttering much later mm-hmm. than their sibling who doesn't have DS. So. Do you feel like fluency disorders present a little bit differently in Down syndrome? What's your experience with that? Yeah. So with typically developing children, um, often you'll see disfluency present around two, three, four years old, and mm-hmm. it really coincides with explosions in language. So mm-hmm. when kids are starting to put more words together, making sentences, there's you know a real increase in their cognition as well. It's actually kind of similar for DS in terms of in terms of that it happens when there are increases in demands on the system. Yeah. But that, those demands happen a bit later um, because expressive language lags a bit behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so often we we won't really see disfluency appear until five, six, seven, even yeah. later than that, really okay. around yeah. later elementary school when the demands in the classroom and at home are increased. So yeah. suddenly, you know, parents want to know, what are all the things that you did at school today? And, you know, talk to me about this topic in more detail. And, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just short sentences, we are now expecting more of a narrative kind of discourse. And that's when all of those demands on the language system are suddenly ramped up Mm -hmm. and it's, it's really hard to get all of those ideas out fluently and clearly. Totally. And I think cognition advances around that time Mm. too. Yeah. So that the ideas that our students have are a bit more complex and they want to be able to tell us Mm -hmm. more things, maybe sometimes a sequence of things. Mm. What what was my whole weekend? What did I do? Yeah. And Mm. the demands on that in terms of memory Mm -hmm. and language ability and cognition are much higher than, you know, asking for juice and just making a pretty simple request. Um, So it's this sort of, it's like the mismatch that gets going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that mm-hmm. is that is tricky. Another thing that sometimes families will ask me about is like, what is going on physically? Because sometimes mm-hmm. you can see stuttering yes. on a person's body yeah. and it might look like blinking our eyes or getting yep. really tense mm-hmm. or sometimes we get some gasping. Yeah. I think of what other ones, yeah. sometimes like nodding ahead. I've seen yeah. snapping the fingers. I've yeah. seen stamping the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's yeah, going on there? Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can see all different things all over the body. Many of them are involuntary, mm-hmm. um, particularly ones that you might see like jaw posturing where, um, or yeah, lots of blinking or averting eye contact. Um, we kind of call them collectively secondary behaviors. Um, and they're, they're learned behaviors that people often kind of learn to help them get unstuck. So when they are in this moment of tension and they are trying to get their words out and they, and they can't quite do that, they, they kind of use their body to help them do, do that, Mm -hmm. um, to get through it. Mm Um, yeah, it's a lot of families, want to work on that um, because it can actually draw more attention yeah, to yeah. the disfluency. Mm-hmm. But but when we look at them, we, we really need to look at it in the frame of why are these things happening? Why are they, you know, getting tense and, and what does that mean and, and kind of treat the root of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we yeah. say to them, stop blinking, stop blinking, yeah. stop blinking, <laughs> then, yeah, then it's like, oh, okay. So I've learned this compensatory thing and now I can't do that. And I still can't get my words out. Right. I'm just not going to try. Not going to even try. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about being in under that tension. So mm-hmm. when you're actually stuttering, mm-hmm. can you describe sort of what that feels like for the person and mm-hmm. the kind of str- bodily and cognitive stress that's kind of going on in that situation? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess 
we have all probably felt it to some extent if we've ever had to give a presentation or, you know, mm-hmm. talk um, to people that you're, uh, you know, a bit anxious about in a large group or record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it probably feels different for all different people. The experiences I've heard are, you know, tense stomachs, yeah. tense body. You can see in people that the whole tension um, and the frustration um, and often it's um, they already know what message they want to say and it's they're not able to say that message, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, is is incredibly frustrating. Um, I've noticed a lot of fidgeting sometimes too with some of my students. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, 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 absolutely. <clears throat> um, and also, yeah, probably trying to divert that away and 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 then afterwards often feelings of shame um yeah, yeah are often associated with with stuttering um yeah. definitely a big part of stuttering is the um yeah the negative attitudes and feelings mm-hmm. around it and and that really plays into how we decide to treat it um assessing a person's own um attitudes of their speaking mm-hmm. is, is a really oh, really a huge one. part mm-hmm. of stuttering mm-hmm. therapy mm-hmm. yeah there's a big there's a big psychological mm-hmm. aspect to it yes. because there's yeah. the anxiety mm-hmm. during the moment yep. there's also anxiety if you anticipate that yes. you are going to be in a situation where mm-hmm. you think you are going to stutter which mm-hmm. most unhelpfully makes it more likely that you will stutter yes, um, if you're yeah. anticipating it and really mm-hmm. worried about it and then if you are stuttering mm-hmm. and you feel bad about it mm-hmm. It makes it all – it's kind of a it's negative a spiral yeah. cycle. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's let's talk about what to do. Mm. What shall we do? Um, if somebody has disfluent or sometimes we call it bumpy, which is a more approachable mm-hmm. term for speechless fluency, what do we want to do? Mm-hmm. And conversely, what do we not want to do? Because there's yeah. some clear do's and don'ts with yeah. this. Absolutely. So um, – So this is if you're a parent and you just notice this at home, um, these are some things that you should definitely consider. I would always suggest talking to your SLP about Mm -hmm. it because we would tailor different treatment approaches according to the the person Mm -hmm. who is stuttering. Um, But the number one thing like we've been talking about is reducing the demand. So that's something that you can do in the environment. So don't interrupt the person. Mm-hmm. Number one, <laughs> don't interrupt. Let them say their whole message. Yes. yes. We remember when when we're working on communication, the reason we're working on it is because we want our students to be confident, independent um, communicators. And, yeah. and if we're interrupting them, um, we're not validating what they've got to say. We're not saying that we think what they've got to say is important um, and that we don't think that the way they're saying it is good enough. Or, yeah, so, or that you don't have time to totally even yeah. to yeah. spend with them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't interrupt. Okay. Don't try, even when you know or you think you know <laughs> what they're going to say, try not to finish their sentences. And of course, you know, we're all guilty of this at different times mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for people who are not disfluent, any kind of person. But um, yeah, really giving, don't just, don't interrupt, don't finish their sentence. And Try and slow down the pace of conversation yourself. So just model a slower conversation rate. So slow down what you're saying, take a pause after 
they've said what they've got to say, take a pause between your sentences. Mm. When you naturally slow down the conversation, it feels more natural for them to be able to mm-hmm. also take time to formulate their response. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I love what you said about taking a pause after mm-hmm. you've said a sentence mm-hmm. because what that does is it gives those milliseconds mm-hmm. for our student or person with Down syndrome mm-hmm. to take their conversational turn without somebody else jumping in yes. before they get a chance. And yeah. usually I feel one if somebody has started mm-hmm. their conversational turn, people are more likely to wait for them to finish it. Yes. It's often getting in there in the yes. first place that's mm-hmm. so challenging and mm-hmm. difficult. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. We um, will sometimes use visuals or, or encourage students to use visuals similar to what they would use to support communication anyway. So mm-hmm. things like sign language, um, using pictures if they have them, if they use any kind of aided um, communication system. So like a, you know, a high tech kind of iPad kind of style thing, or, you know, more of a PEX like static picture kind of base system, whatever is useful to them. But also if you're talking about a picture, like if you're talking about something you did on the weekend, you could have a picture up and you could point to different things and also show it to them so they can point to things maybe while they're formulating what they want to say as well. So, Mm um, that yep. kind of thing supports the the cognition aspect of it, right? It Absolutely. helps with word recall, mm-hmm. which is our silly way of saying remembering the words that <laughs> you wanted to be talking about. So those vocabulary items. And it gives people, I would say, more details mm-hmm. that they could maybe draw from yeah. if you have some visuals present rather mm-hmm. than relying solely on Memory, what yeah. you're hearing, mm-hmm. yeah. right? We know that our students learn better by visual and it doesn't have yeah. to be sort of a written out sentence. Yeah. It takes the pressure great. off to exactly. some degree, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So if a parent or, you know, teacher or a caregiver of a person with Down syndrome notices that speech disfluencies, you know, that weren't there before now all of a sudden have appeared or all of a sudden Mm -hmm. increased, what is your advice to them? What should they do? Yeah, so it's never too early to get in contact with an SLP. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you just want a conversation and just say, hey, look, I've noticed this. Should I be worried? Um, Mm -hmm. Ideally, you'd want your SLP to know to know a bit about fluency and, and also about Down syndrome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So because as we've talked about, there are lots of factors that go into it. So a yeah. good understanding of of Down syndrome would be really useful. Um, but yeah, other other than that, it would be really useful if, if you do talk to them to um, film the student oh, or, okay. or your child um, mm-hmm. in different situations. So ideally, you know, when they're just talking at home. Uh, maybe if mm-hmm. you're asking them to do different kinds of tasks, so maybe when they're reading, when they're telling you about their day, when they're playing with their sibling. Um, there is a few different things that help us as therapists to know how to best support mm-hmm. the student. So mm-hmm. I would, um, I guess, if you are planning to speak to an SLP, which I would really highly recommend, mm-hmm. things I would be making note of are when is your child most fluent and when are they most disfluent. So that's things like time of day, um, if it's related to certain situations. So Mm -hmm. if it's, um, yeah, playing with someone, if it's at school, if it's at home, um, I would also be thinking about what's happening in the student's life. Has there been any major changes? Has a pet died? Have they changed school? Um, has have they moved house? Um, mm-hmm. Has it is their body changing? Are they mm. going through puberty? 
um, what's happening at school is, you know, what's their teacher like? What are they doing in school? Um, there, are, there are so many factors that go into it. Um, but really, I would, I, all of those questions are questions that yeah. I would be asking parents. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm mm-hmm. so glad you brought that up. Let's talk a little bit about the anxiety mm-hmm. factors. Mm-hmm. So those big life changes, yeah. we're, we're wondering about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you say in those situations, are you recommending, I mean, we're, we don't have a specific case in front of yeah. us, but are you usually recommending that anxiety treatment come first to see if that helps manage the mm-hmm. disfluency or are you jumping in with disfluency treatment at the same time? Um, I would definitely be looking at it as a underlying factor that's contributing to the disfluency. Mm. So I would definitely be, um, encouraging them to seek some support to manage the anxiety, but also at the same time, starting to work with the student to be able to use some, some fluency shaping techniques, really, um, a lot of the strategies we use are, are really basic things that they're probably a lot of family members are probably doing or have been exposed to things like taking a breath and starting again, mm-hmm. um, working on breathing, working on rate, mm-hmm. uh, slowing speech down. Um, you would always be doing them both together for yeah, sure. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause one, one area is sort of like the underlying cause or one of many potential underlying causes. And then the disfluency, which has that huge quality of life impact mm-hmm. is sort of, the, the fruit of the tree, right? Mm. But we need to work on both things. Yeah, absolutely. A weird analogy to yeah. make, but you know what I'm saying. The, <laughs> we have to work to mitigate the sort of underlying causes wherever possible. That's the medical, yeah. the anxiety, the psychological. Uh-huh. And then in the day-to-day, we also need to help out with that fluency stuff so that yeah. the person can regain some of their own confidence that gets lost mm-hmm. when they are very disfluent. And I mean, you guys would also then all work on just – I don't know if this is the correct term, but normalizing it so that the student understands that this does happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, so like whether it's social stories or whatever method, yeah. but you're also, I mean, you're kind of concurrently working on anxiety that way too, but just being yes. like, it's okay if you yeah. stutter, it's okay if it happens, Yeah, you know, like kind of getting the shame away mm-hmm. from it a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. And well. it definitely, yeah. yeah, it depends on the student hugely as well, because mm-hmm. some students um, respond, some, well, I guess some therapy approaches are such that you would interrupt the stuttering behavior. Mm. Others are that you would not do that and you Mm -hmm. would work on improving um, ability to speak fluently. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, there's honestly little empirical evidence around Down syndrome and fluency. It's very much dependent on the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, But from, from what I've seen, it's often um, because the stuttering happens later when children are already very aware of their social situation, already have a awareness of themselves. A lot of the more um, positive, uh, positive techniques are more around just promoting clear, confident communication. Yeah. And so that is praising fluent speech. Mm-hmm. Um, that's praising the communication message, not not looking at the way it was delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really building up the student to to still be working on positive nonverbal things like nodding and yeah. knowing when to take a turn and when not to take a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about fluency is just one tiny part of communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I totally agree with that. And mm. 
I think it acknowledges the fact that there are a lot of things in the speech chain that our mm -hmm. students actually cannot control. Mm -hmm. You know, they are not mm -hmm. in control of their level of hearing acuity or the functioning of their own hippocampus in their brain. Yeah. Some of those kind of things, like we can't really mm -hmm. do too much with that. Yeah. But what we can do is try and increase our students' confidence about what they are communicating. Mm -hmm. And we find praise to be very effective. Very effective. Yeah. For Especially with yeah. just yeah. getting the message yeah. out. Yeah. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. It addresses the whole psychological side of disfluency mm -hmm. yeah. by reducing the anxiety and shame yeah. around it, which, yeah. as we talked about, mm -hmm. is a big contributor to that negative cycling that can happen. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Kate, you had just mentioned a while ago that there's very little empirical evidence mm -hmm. on Down syndrome and disfluency. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the reasons we decided to do this podcast is because there is a high prevalence of disfluency. Mm -hmm. Is there like a like a rough estimate of percentage just mm. so we can get our listeners to get an idea of how common it is? Yeah. So in the typically developing or general population, around 5% of typically developing kids will experience stuttering at some point in their lives. I mm -hmm. think prevalence is generally 1% of the population at any time. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas for Down syndrome estimates, very wildly. Yes. <laughs> I, I see estimates up to 50%. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. I've seen a lot of like 30 to 50. Okay. Yeah. Much yeah. higher than to much, oh, much higher. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. yeah. So that's absolutely interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my next question is something I've also often wondered because mm -hmm. I, as I'm hearing you guys talk about this, I'm picturing all the students that I know. <laughs> and so I'm just like going through them. And um, our next question is so many parents have commented to us and I have also commented to mm -hmm. myself. I've noticed that a lot of our students will sometimes that may have issues with disfluency will speak more clearly when they're reading or when they're singing. I've mm -hmm. noticed that because yeah. I can think of one particular person in my head right now, um, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, when they're just talking. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what might be behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So let's think again about what all those processes that go into conversation. So mm -hmm. that's when we have to listen to what everyone's saying. We have to think of our own message. We have to make all those words in the right order and then say them. When we're reading, all of those first bits are taken away. So the only mm -hmm. things we have to be doing are reading, which admittedly is tough for many of our students. Mm -hmm. um, but if they've got the necessary literacy skills, reading or even, you know, looking at pictures with, with you know, just few words is, yeah. is still that it takes away all of that first bit. So there's a lot more capacity devoted to being able to get the sounds out fluently. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it takes away... Yeah, it takes away a lot of the demand. So um, the other thing that you'll often see is a lot of children with Down syndrome um, will really have a preference for songs or books that they've had seen many times because they're predictable and you'll see mm -hmm. you get some really beautiful, fluent speech when you when you go through those um, because they know what's coming next and they can prepare their articulators mm -hmm. um, for what's coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you get much, much better fluency. Yeah. When, when the demands so are lower. So would you use like a reading or singing as a tool, an intervention tool sometimes? Or Tricky. Tricky. Yeah. Tricky. Yeah. I would, yeah. So maybe if, you're, if your person with DS is going to do a speech um, or something yeah. like that, I would... The very rote things. Because yeah, the problem I, with speeches is mostly not predictable. Like yeah, you can't yeah, guess yeah, what people's conversations are going to be. Mm -hmm. it, it is one of the reasons like why maybe we why we use um, some chunked phrases with yeah. people with DS, which we don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily use with, with other populations. So often when children are first learning to speak, we'll teach them um, lead-ins like I want, I like, mm. those kinds Just of kind things. kind of get it started, yeah. Yeah, so uh -huh. when that's a lot more automatic, at least mm -hmm. they've got – 
that bit down and then they've got their conversation turn kind of saved for yeah. them, you know, yes. and then there's less energy that's needed to be devoted to that. So mm-hmm. so when they have these in their bank, it means they can still participate in conversation mm-hmm. and, and um, not have that extra kind of thing that's hanging over them, that extra right. step right. they have Got to it. do. Yeah. yeah. When fluency is a is a really big challenge mm-hmm. in sort of the laundry list of challenges that our students experience. Um, we use we use a lot of what mm. we call them sentence strips. Maybe yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of our families are aware of sentence strips. And this yeah. is part of the reason why we do that is it mm. reduces the demand mm-hmm. of having to remember each individual word and you yeah. kind of have it as a chunk in your mind. Yeah. The problem that can happen with that is it's very hard to progress from yeah. that into yeah. more spontaneous, more yeah. independent mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. For some students, being able to say a chunk, mm-hmm. even if it's something we've practiced a bunch of times, is a huge success. Mm-hmm. And we're happy with that. Mm-hmm. For other students, we would like to take it further yeah. and be able to get into more, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. independent, spontaneous yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so, for some things and some high pressure situations, like yeah. ordering food at a restaurant, yeah. like we work on the can I yeah. have yeah. Yeah. sentence strip yeah. because the external That's, pressure of yeah. like someone staring at you wanting this info yeah. is a lot to even handle. With, even with that support in place, you're helping their confidence and their anxiety too. So I mean, yes, yeah. from a technical perspective, they're maybe not exactly where you want them to be, yeah. but at least it's a start. Yeah. Right. Right. They're at least willing to be like, okay, I can do this, even right. if it's a memorization of a, of a book or a song, but they're a little more willing to be like, okay, so I got this now. I'll do what Kate says next yeah. because it's going to be a right. bit harder, but yeah. I can do it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it can definitely be a confidence mm-hmm. booster for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, we do, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I don't typically work on fluency in, you know, songs and books, but yeah. it's, um, it is, it's an interesting phenomenon that I think mm-hmm. parents like to know why, why is this yeah. happening or, yeah. you know, why, when you're, why can I not, why can they not tell me about their day, but then they can read this yeah. long book to me later yeah. on. Yeah. Cause at the surface level, it does look the same. Talking mm-hmm. is talking, but yeah. mm-hmm. the processing behind it is, yeah. is very good. different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we kind of use those mm-hmm. sort of advantages of reading and mm-hmm. saying, and maybe as a mm-hmm. stepping stone sometimes mm-hmm. to get us, yeah. Mm-hmm. where we want to go later. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely can use it as a tool to work on things like breath support and learning yeah. when to take a breath. So oh, okay. what we mentioned before about knowing when to stop and take a breath mm-hmm. um, can be not as automatic for some of our students. So so when we have texts written out, it, yeah. that can be helpful in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. And we sometimes get, well, always get very explicit. Like, look at this period. This means you breathe right yes. here. Yeah. We can't breathe. First, you have to assess and see if somebody can actually do seven words or whatever mm-hmm. on a breath. And some of our students actually can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they can't without mm-hmm. physically supporting themselves yeah. in a yes. chair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see a lot of that. I yeah. see a lot of that. <laughs> um, they have to really, I mean, yeah. you can't. They have to be on the floor. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of our students don't have if they're using all of their energy on breath, they don't have Mm -hmm. the trunk support. Mm -hmm. So then they end up leaning on something and that's when we call you, Hannah. Yeah. Um, Let's think a little bit, a bit longer term. So when you're Mm -hmm. working on fluency, are you working on fixing disfluency entirely? Are you working on mitigating disfluency? Mm -hmm. Where do you try and, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, Mm but where do you aim yeah, my aim is always for um, confidence in the person's communication and depending on the individual, the ability to self-monitor and independently use clear speech strategies. Yep. So many of our students and not even people with DS, you and I 
all all of us mm-hmm. have periods of disfluency, but we all know when we get stuck, we have strategies that we use that yeah. we might not have been explicitly taught, but we, you know, if you're rambling, you might stop and take a breath. Okay, let's try that again. I got stuck at that bit. Um, what we what I aim for with my students is knowing that they have this kind of toolbox of things that they can try um, to help their speech be more fluent, um, monitor their own speech and, and whether the listener has has also caught their message. Um, and also for older students who are perhaps doing a presentation or having a job interview or, or things like that, where they know that they're going to be in higher pressure situations, practicing some things to help set them up for success. So practice some really deep breaths um, before we start. Um, Maybe practicing some sentences they know they might get a bit tripped up on, um, breaking down some words. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it really comes down to to independence and confidence as a communicator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to talk more about self-monitoring because Mm. this is so interesting. We get some students in and they actually have no idea that they stutter. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, you know, they don't care because they haven't noticed. And that's a very different situation than the student who's refusing to speak kind of at all because they're so worried that they're going to be disfluent. Yeah. So how do you Mm. gauge somebody's self-monitoring ability? It's such a fine line. And often this is where the um, own perception of speech and and the anxiety and knowing the person's temperament um, comes into it a lot because Mm -hmm. you don't, the last thing you want to do is say, Hey, you're real. You've got really bumpy speech, and they're and, like, "What? I had no idea." And, and then yeah, you're just yeah. like taking <laughs> something down ten yeah. pegs. It's terrible. Just completely yeah. turn yeah. their world upside yeah. down. Yeah. Like yeah. That. yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. it makes me reflect on one of our students here um, that Hina and I both work with. Mm-hmm. Um, she is um, when we first started working on fluency, she had quite significant disfluency, but she didn't have any awareness, and she is an mm-hmm. absolute chatterbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and we first started just talking about here are some smooth things like you know, fur on a cat is really smooth, whereas the back of a turtle is really bumpy. And we start talking about smooth roads and bumpy roads. And then we start talking about smooth words and bumpy speech. And then seeing if there's any awareness there. And then if there's not, we can say, we can point it out to the student. In this student's case, I pointed it out and she just went, oh my gosh, this is really shut down. Um, but within a little while, because she's such a chatterbox and loves <laughs> talking, she was talking again and we just didn't acknowledge the bumpiness, but we were praised all of the positives. Mm-hmm. So whenever we heard fluent speech, we would just went, oh my gosh, that was so fluent. That was so smooth. Wow. The great talking. And without us actually addressing the bumps, she understood when she was being praised and then was trying to do those things more yes. regularly. Yeah, so stealthy, well played, yeah. Yeah. well <laughs> done. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that built self-monitoring her, but it, it is a really tricky fine line to walk. It's so hard. Um, yeah. And knowing, knowing the child and, and knowing, you know, how you think they might respond, it would be really important. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the thing in, in her case too, like, I, from from and I always report back to you guys and I'm like, hey guys, just so <laughs> you know, in our today. session they did this that you were working on. So, mm-hmm. um, in her case, I think it went beyond that because then when she did get stuck, mm-hmm. she I didn't have to say anything. Yeah. She immediately started like, yeah. you know, finger pacing her words yeah. or just slowing herself down. So yeah. it eventually can lead to where she is now, absolutely at a high level of self monitoring. She's like, oh, yeah. hold on, totally. Hina's not understanding yeah. something. I'm gonna use totally. A tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and encouraging them to use that when they need to, like. 
Just like your eye, if I'm really tired, having a really bad day, if I'm not speaking clearly and someone tells me, hey, Kate, slow down, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be happy about it. Say nice words. Just like they went. So you, self-monitoring is the ultimate goal because then yeah. you're self-motivated. You don't need someone else there to Absolutely. tell you. Um, yeah. yeah, you have control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's tricky too because it is a whole – other thing that you mm. then have to be doing while you're having conversations. Oh. It's like another yeah. level on top mm-hmm. of all of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. teaching our students to sort of pay closer yeah. attention to the listener yeah. and see what's going on with their face. Do they look like they know what yeah. you're talking about or do yeah. they look confused totally. right now? Yeah. And then being able to make those choices sort of on the fly. It's a very, it's complex it's- skill. But our students can do it. I don't oh, want to yeah. make it sound like yeah. we can't. Our students can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say are sort of your top five sort of management strategies that mm-hmm. if a family were listening to this and they're like, oh, I got to go see an SLP now, mm-hmm. that they would want to bring up with the SLP to see if they would be a good fit for their student? Top five management strategies. Yeah, things yeah. that you like to start with. Start with, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so as in strategies to yeah. support, yeah. Yeah, so I would definitely be looking at rate. Um, so I want to know that a student can, um, say each word or Mm -hmm. depending on the student, even each syllable, um, on either like counting on fingers or just using, you know, drawing a couple of circles, you know, five circles on a board and tapping to each one. Mm -hmm. Um, being able to segment syllables is a great skill for speech clarity, but also for literacy. It's one of the earliest skills we I probably use for most of my students um, uh-huh. because it helps in in infinite amounts of ways when yeah. it comes to communication. So definitely um, encouraging your child and, and just modeling to your child as you speak, breaking up each syllable and point to each finger as your hand oh, as you go. Mm-hmm. That uh-huh. would be my number one. Uh-huh. The next thing I would do would be um, I would do some deep breaths. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. So when we're talking about deep breaths, we're talking about really deep belly breaths right down into the diaphragm. So I often put both of my hands onto my belly and talk about pushing my hands outwards, keeping my shoulders down. I don't want to see my shoulders going up and down. Mm-hmm. I want my belly to be expanding. I want the breath to be going all the way down mm-hmm. and getting really big chunks of air in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to break in here and explain kind of what this does yeah. to for the – students. Mm-hmm. So when we're breathing sort of up in our shoulders, if mm-hmm. you can envision the shoulders going up and down, we're not using our lung capacity effectively, yeah. mm-hmm. which means you can't say as many words on a yeah. single breath. Yeah. If you're not Thank taking you a big breath, you're certainly not going to get a long sentence out. Yeah. And it's kind of a stress response thing yeah. that we see a lot. You'll see a lot of presenters do this. Mm-hmm. At least SLPs notice these <laughs> details. Um, <laughs> a lot of stress breathing up here in the yeah. clavicle yeah. area. Um, but if you can take a deeper breath, not yeah. only does it lower your blood pressure yes. and calm you, yeah. you have more of a, an air supply to work yeah. with. Absolutely. So useful yeah. Useful tool. Yeah, it's an indicator of core strength too, because in OT, like if kids are overcompensating with their shoulders and their arms, mm-hmm. it's like it's a sign of a weak core. So there you yeah. go. Same idea, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that yeah, that would probably be one of my next things if um making sure the child is positioned mm-hmm. in a really great way when they when you're asking them to to tell you mm-hmm. long things, yeah. make set them up for success. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. make sure they're seated. Maybe if they sit at the dinner table where they've got really great support, make sure they've got, you know, their their trunk is upright. Yeah. You know, they've yeah. got leg support, all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's when they're going to have the most breath support. 
um, mm-hmm. to be able to support their clear speech. Yeah. 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 Great. Do you yeah. ever use video? I, video I use video me. sometimes. Yeah. That's kind of in my, my mental top five, I yeah. think, probably to – for students who can't really self-monitor effectively totally. or they're not super aware of totally. what was sounding good or yeah. what was sounding disfluent. I mm-hmm. t- we take a lot of videos of things and yeah. then we play it back. Yeah. Do you do a lot of that yeah, too? Yeah, absolutely. So either with themselves or with um, other like characters and things mm-hmm. or even I will model it myself as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are really effective and, and doing a really exaggerated one if needed. Yeah. Did. yeah. Um, yeah, they are really effective and, and asking the student to pick it out, which one, you know, which one's bumpy, find where I'm bumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. And yeah. I think yeah. the value in it is that it can be replayed over and over because yes. so much of conversation mm-hmm. happens so fast for our students yeah. that they don't necessarily get a chance in the moment on the fly to notice exactly yeah. what you were hoping yeah. for. Mm-hmm. But by doing a video, mm-hmm. you can pause right at the right point yeah. and go back and yeah. watch it again and then, yeah. you know change yeah. it a little bit and try and watch it again. And Absolutely. It's quite yeah. effective. Yeah. And also, yeah, when you're asking them to self-monitor or to identify a bump when they are still trying to process what they're doing, it's really hard for them to, you know, direct their attention to themselves. So video well, totally, is really helpful. Totally. Um, yeah. And on video as well, another strategy I've used before, uh, particularly for older students, is video modeling so recording them when they've actually done a really good job yep. so that they can watch themselves back and see themselves have success um and many of our students love watching themselves um <laughs> yeah so seeing themselves speak clearly is really powerful it absolutely yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. it is and yeah. i think it will plays into the whole psychological side of stuttering mm-hmm. um and it's just a good reminder because they mm-hmm. they have the proof right in front of them yeah. there that i it can, can do this yeah, yeah. i can mm-hmm. speak clearly yeah mm-hmm. i that's a really, yeah. really, really nice one. Yeah. yeah. The last thing I would probably add to the top tips would be if you're unsure about whether to talk to your child about it, just start praising them when you hear them speak really smoothly. Mm-hmm. And um, so so you might want to probe their understanding of what that is, like we talked about before yeah. with smooth versus bumpy mm-hmm. and, you know, progressively moving that towards speech. But just start saying, oh, that was so smooth. Great, great talking. Like, I'm so proud of you, honey. Um, And just start without, you know, even drawing any attention or mentioning bumps. That doesn't need to be in your in your chat when you're talking to them. But but just start peppering that in. And I think for many students, they'll kind of be like, oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Why do you say this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they would be some of the top tips. Yeah, I think I think those are really helpful ones. Mm-hmm. So any family that is wondering what to do or where mm-hmm. to go, or maybe you don't have SLP access sort of right away, yeah, those would be things to try, especially the praise one, because mm-hmm. sometimes that can be a turning point for yeah. our yeah. for our students. It's very easy to notice when things mm-hmm. are not going well. Yeah. Noticing when things are going well and pointing that out to students mm-hmm. is powerful. Yeah. And I've noticed that all the strategies you mentioned, Kate, are very easy to implement. It's yeah. not, you don't need to buy anything. No. It's like very, it's true. you it's, know, it's yeah. like simple things yeah. that you really can just start tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So it's not complicated in that way. Absolutely. Where, you know, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, even start with praise, right? Yeah. No, yeah. 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 So yeah. that's really great. To yeah. Hear. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Given how complicated <laughs> the, else the is, underlying yeah. thing is, the treatments are pretty straight forward yeah, yeah, there are yeah. there are much more technical yeah. speech shaping mm-hmm. things that need yeah. to be led by a speech path exactly but Absolutely. in terms of things at home yeah 
you can start with those and see where it takes you yeah. or at least bring them up to a speech therapist because those are the things that we usually recommend get carried over at home mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, do you find mm-hmm. that most of our students are outgrowing their speech disfluencies or do they get to a point of better management? Mm, yeah, interesting question. Um, many of the adults we see here have some level of disfluency at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, many of them manage it really well and have lots of, I see them using strategies to promote their fluent speech independently. And and I think it's important, all of us here who, particularly our colleagues with Down syndrome here, we don't try and therapize what when we're talking to no, them. we're just chatting. We're just yeah. chatting, yeah. yeah. And so we never, I'll, I'll never, you know, ever try and, give them a speech tip yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah but I see them using lots of Mm -hmm. speech strategies independently which is awesome to see um I think some there's definitely evidence just to say that some people do just outgrow things as the you know as we um you know as we stop growing I guess or or, you know we more plateau we're always learning right we're always you know improving but um you definitely do see people outgrowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I see a lot of relapse and remit too. Yeah, just kind of where, yeah. and that's like the life event dependent mm-hmm. yes. kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, where maybe we had a lot of disfluency when we entered elementary school, yeah. and then it smoothed out. Mm-hmm. We got used to the environment. I don't know why I'm saying we. Yeah. Students smooths mm-hmm. out. They get used to their environment, and then it crops up again when mm-hmm. the school gets changed yeah. or when graduation happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing that parents can kind of hold on to is that once life settles down, Mm -hmm. usually speech kind of smooths out as well, particularly if you can combine it with those things that are effective, the praising it when it is clear, slowing it down, giving our students a chance to get their turn Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things are very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I should have put that in the top five management tips, (laughs) thinking about your own environment. Because yeah. yeah, there's there's things we can do to support their capacity, but we we always need to be aware of what environment we're creating and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and being aware that maybe we're putting time pressure on that we don't realize. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And anything we can do to make our students sort of experience easier mm-hmm. is yeah. is an easy thing to do in comparison yeah. with Absolutely. the level of challenges that they're facing yeah. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you have any particular program resources that mm-hmm. you'd like to use that? Stuttering is one of those areas of SLP that has a lot of sort of dedicated programs. And are there any that you find are helpful Mm. with this group that you would, that we should put on sort of the episode page, do you think? Or Or any websites that you would recommend? Yeah, there's a really great uh, parent handout, which I often um, will give to parents, which is from the Stuttering, uh, National Stuttering Foundation. I think if you just type in National Stuttering Foundation Down Syndrome, it comes up. It's really annoying. They spell it with Downs Syndrome, which every time I look at it, I cringe. Cringe, Um, (laughs) But it is a really, really great handout, just a two-page, really clear explanation of how the speech system works and why um, why fluency uh, happens as well, disfluency happens as well. Um, If people want... Um, lots more information. There is a, a textbook. Uh, it's called Exploring Fluency and Down Syndrome by Monica Bray, who it's a, it's a great textbook. Um, maybe a bit too in-depth for 
It's okay. We yeah. have other SLPs yeah, there who listen to this too. <laughs> might be a new SLP yeah. grad that's like, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, but I did um, want to give a little shout out in case there are families of people who stutter or people with Down syndrome with dysfluency who would be interested in doing research um, as one mm. of our one of my colleagues over at Wayne State University in Detroit is um, investigating fluency and Down syndrome at the moment and they're always looking for participants um, right. so if you'd be willing to participate in that you can go to downsyndromespeech.wayne.edu. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll put mm-hmm. that on our episode page for anybody who wants to join with that. And the reason mm-hmm. that we will point out, the reason that we need research on these things mm-hmm. is because there is not there enough. Is none. There <laughs> is very, very, very little. little. We're kind of, yeah. it wasn't, I guess it wasn't seen as valuable before yeah. or it's, it is hard to get a big, a big enough group together mm-hmm. to do sort of a numerically feasible study on people with Down syndrome yeah. and the myriad of things that they face. Um, but there's, there's a lack of research evidence in almost every area, yeah. which means yeah. that we have to really, really dig absolutely and f- to find the evidence for things that we need to do. Um, mm-hmm. so if you mm-hmm. can contribute to research that is happening, it's extremely valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be really useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please do go over to that if you can. It's a really short video and, um, yeah, Emily would be very grateful. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you for thank coming you on. So yeah. It's such guys. a pleasure. I learned a lot yeah. today, so thank you. It was <laughs> thank really, you really for cool. having yeah. you guys. Mm-hmm. Are you, do you appreciate how extremely complicated speech is? <laughs> it is. Well, yeah. I, I always knew, but you sometimes tend to forget because it's you don't sit there. And, yeah. and it's yeah. similar with some OT skills where I'm like, you know, I'm sure with you guys when you were in school, task analysis and analysis. Yes. So when you actually sit down and as Kate was in the beginning of the episode, as you were going through all those skills, I was just like, oh, Whoa. that's a lot yeah, going yeah. on. <laughs> and it really like, you know, I mean, I have to now monitor myself as well. Like I'm thankfully I don't interrupt. I've learned better from you guys, but there are certain things that I feel like now I can do more mm-hmm. to help support our kids too. Mm-hmm. So it's been Oh, very, very helpful. Oh, so thank I'm you so glad. much. That's thank awesome. You. Thank you for letting me speak about one of my favorite things. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Lowdown, a Down Syndrome podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you never miss an episode. And let us know what you think by leaving a rating and a review. Be sure to visit the webpage for this episode at dsrf.org slash podcast for additional resources related to the topic. You can also follow DSRF Canada on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for updates from The Lowdown and the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. Want to know more about Down syndrome? Class is now in session at DSRF's online learning portal powered by Thinkific. Users have called DSRF's resource brilliant, fantastic, and absolutely first class. Now, our educational platform puts these tools right at your fingertips. Start with our free introductory course Down Syndrome 101 or dive deep into the issue that matters most to you by enrolling in subjects like mental health or relationships and sexuality for people with Down syndrome. Each course guides user through video, audio, and written resource to help you better understand and support the person in your life with Down syndrome. 
all of the courses and subscriptions include access to the DSRF circle of support. Through this social community, users can interact and learn from one another and engage directly with DSRF. So, what are you waiting for? Class is about to begin, and there's an empty desk just for you. Visit dsrf.org slash thinkific to sign up today. Got questions? We have answers. 321's Canada's Down Syndrome magazine brings leading-edge expertise from Canada's top Down Syndrome professionals, as well as parents and people with Down Syndrome, direct to your inbox four times per year. Brought to you by the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation and Canadian Down Syndrome Society. 321 tackles issues important to people with Down syndrome and their families at every stage of life. From mental and physical health and development, relationships, employment, independence, and more, we will equip you to explore whatever your future hopes. 321 Magazine, information and inspiration for Canada's Down syndrome community. Download the latest issue and describe for free at dsrf.org slash magazine. The Lowdown, the Down Syndrome Podcast, is a production of Down Syndrome Research Foundation. Learn more at dsrf.org and join the conversation at DSRF Canada on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Lowdown is hosted by... Marla Fordan and Hannah Mahmood and it's produced by Glenn Hughes. The Lowdown theme music and George Do was written and recorded by Rick Scott.